0: This episode of the Myths and Legends podcast is brought to you in part by Loot Crate, the monthly subscription box for geeks, gamers, and pop culture nerds. The theme for August is anti hero, which just sounds awesome. You can walk the hero villain line with a 100% exclusive collection of things from DC Comics, Archer, Dark Horse, and Kill Bill, and it includes two collectibles, a wearable, and a monthly tea and pin. Remember that you only have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, that's it. So go to lootcrate.com legends and enter code LEGENDS to save $3 on your new subscription today. This week on the Myths and Legends podcast, it's the beginning of Norse mythology where we'll see that life on Earth came from a giant's body odor. Then Thor will wrestle an old lady and a house cat. Then on the Creature of the Week, it's the Sandman. And you'll get some really messed up parenting tips from the Middle Ages. <laughs> This is the Myths and Legends Podcast, Episode 39, In the Land of the Blind. This is a podcast where I tell stories from folklore. Some are incredibly popular stories you think you know, but with surprising origins. Others are stories you might not have heard, but really should. So this week we're in Norse mythology again. And I've received a number of requests for this topic. The beginning of the world. Like everything in mythology, it's dark... ...violent, confusing, and bizarre. We'll see the origin of the Frost Giants, some mandatory patricide, and you'll learn that we're all just moles on the back of a dead giant. Then, there's the story of Thor and Loki, because those are always amazing, and we'll end with the story of how Odin lost one of his eyes, and what he saw when he did. In the beginning, there was fire, ice... In darkness, the rivers flowed from the world of ice, called Niflheim. There was Muspelheim, the fire world, bright and hot and covered in lava. All else was the void, called the Ganunga Gap. These existed for uncountable time, until the rivers began to flow from the ice world, and when they got too far from their world, froze in the void. The fires rose and were snuffed out, leaving ash and rock. Slowly something began to form in the Ganunga Gap. Stone and ash and ice, it grew until it stretched from Niflheim in the north to Muspelheim in the south. In the center, in the temperate regions, something began to take form. One morning, a loud crack erupted from the ground and a giant rose and brushed the dirt from him. His name was Ymir. He was super evil, and he was also prone to sleep-sweating On the first night, from his no doubt giant pores in his armpits, he birthed a male and a female frost giant. It's also said that one leg became pregnant with a son from the other. Waking up, maybe in surprise that he was now a father via asexual reproduction, Ymir looked on his new family and saw that they were hungry. Luckily, as happens from time to time when melting ice drips on the land, a magic cow was formed. She stood up and found milk flowing in rivers from her udders. The unavoidably stinky giant family drank it, and it was good. The primeval cow named Adhumla found a delicious salt lick, and licked and licked until hair started to form, then a face and arms and legs, an entire body. The first man gasped and fell fully formed from the cow's salt lick. Yep, in Norse mythology, the first man came from a giant primeval cow salt lick after she nourished a family born from a giant's night sweats. And this episode basically writes itself. The man's name was Buri, and he was beautiful and strong. He had a son with a wife maybe, and the son's name was Bor, who took a frost giant wife named Besla. They had three sons, Odin, Vili, and Ve, who presumably after they grew up, went to work fulfilling the patricide quota for ancient creation myths, and murdered their grandfather, Ymir, the first giant. Also, I learned that apparently giganticide is a word. It means the killing of giants, and I guess that makes Thor giganticidal. Anyway, so much blood flowed from Ymir that it drowned all the frost giants, them having multiplied from their sweaty forebears, save one giant household who climbed in a wooden box, and was set adrift on the blood ocean, for countless winters. When the blood receded, from what was still just an icy, ashy land bridge in the Gap, Odin and his brothers, saw the massive corpse of Ymir, and had an idea. Whistling as they dismembered their grandfather, they made an earth out of his flesh, and a sky from his head. They crowded his blood, to make oceans, and rivers, and streams, and harnessed some sparks from Muspelheim, to make the sun and the moon. With that, Midgard, the world of men, was made. And, yeah, Norse mythology begins with dismembering Grandpa to make the earth, and using his blood to make the oceans. It should not surprise you that this is the religion of the Vikings. Walking along the beach one day, Odin and his brothers saw a curious sight, two trees. Arriving at one inescapable conclusion, they formed people out of the trees, a man and a woman. The man's name was Ask, meaning ash, and the woman's name was Embla, meaning elm. They were given intelligence and hearing and sight, and taken to Asgard. And yeah, during this time, Odin made Asgard, which was a separate area in the void. It was kind of a fort to protect him and his descendants from the family of giants that survived the flood. And also, Odin had descendants. I don't know who her parents were, but Odin and Frigg were married here, and together, they had their first child, Thor, and the first member of the Aesir. As the other worlds formed in the Ganunga Gap, they began to get further apart, and the workers of the Aesir built something to connect Asgard to Midgard, the world of men. They built the Bifrost Bridge, protect the world of men from the world where the giants had settled, Jotunheim. Then, the dwarves came. Things began popping up in the dirt in Midgard, out of Ymir's old flesh. They were maggots, white and ringed, and they wiggled in the dirt, until over time, they began to learn and take the forms of men. They became the dwarves. And yeah, as we've talked about, the dwarves were generally disliked. When I first read this in college, I was struck by how I recognized a few of the names of the dwarves. Names like Dwalin, Bomber, Philly, Killy, Thorin, and, of course, Gandalf. Gandalf means magic elf, because of course it does, and it was originally a name of one of the dwarves in Norse mythology. As you can see from the Volsung episodes in here, Tolkien had some Norse influences. Anyway, more time passed, the nine worlds formed, and a giant ash tree called Yggdrasil grew in the middle of the void, and connected all of them. Under the route going to the frost giants is the well of Mimir, and we'll see Odin make a very costly bargain with him, Mimir, at the end of today's episode. Of the Acer, we know about Odin and his first son, Thor. We also know about his wife, Frigg, who can see the future, and Odin's second son, the ill-fated Baldr. We also know about Loki, who is generally considered to be one of the Acer, but in also some places not, because he was born to a human and a giant. There's Njord, one of the Vanir, who was sent to Asgard as a hostage after the war. He and his wife, a giantess Scaldi, had two children, Freya and Frey. If you remember, Loki got the feather cloak from her. There's Tyre, who featured heavily in the Dogs episode, and Heimdall, who watches over the Bifrost Bridge. He has some pretty serious bonuses to his perception, because he can hear grass growing on Earth, and wool growing on a sheep. He has golden teeth, and he was birthed to nine maidens, All sisters, even before you ask, I have no idea how that works. There are more Aesir, and we'll talk about them if they come up, but we've really covered all the main ones. Okay, so with Norse mythology, there's really only a loose timeline. With Greek mythology, there are a lot of interactions with humans, and while in separate works like that of the Volsungs and other sagas, Odin and the giants and Valkyries show up occasionally, there's not really the generations we can track there, like with the Greeks. So, now we're just kind of at the status quo of Norse mythology. The Aesir rule over the nine worlds. The world of the humans exists. Baldur is still alive. Odin still has both of his eyes for about 20 more minutes. Thor has his hammer. And Loki is unbound. Speaking of Thor and Loki, we'll catch up with them, once again in the land of the giants, looking for trouble, right after this. This week's episode is brought to you by Blue Apron. For less than $10 a meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes, along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. So I don't know how many of you have kids, but if you do, you know that going out is tough. Blue Apron helps to turn sort of a normal night, when our kid goes to bed at like 7.45, into this fun kind of a date night in. The recipes are clear, the ingredients fresh and pre-portioned, and the whole thing usually doesn't take more than about 35 to 40 minutes to make. It's a fun way to do something a little different. Blue Apron knows that when you cook with incredible ingredients, you make incredible meals. So they set the highest quality standards for their community of artisanal suppliers, family-owned farms, fisheries, and ranchers. Whether it's Japanese ramen noodles, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, or heirloom tomatoes, Blue Apron is bringing you the best. You can check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com/legends that's blueapron.com/l e g e n d s you'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home cooked meals with blue apron so don't wait that's blueapron.com/legends blue apron a better way to cook this week's episode is brought to you by credit karma so we just bought a house and i don't know if you know about credit scores but they are insanely important For houses, cars, student loans, they even needed to look up a specialized credit score when we were setting up utilities at the new place. And if you don't know what this incredibly important number is, that's okay. Because Credit Karma is here to help. They give completely free credit reports and scores. They don't require any form of payment. You never have to enter a credit card or anything. And there aren't any tricky subscriptions that auto renew or anything like that. It's completely free. They also provide free credit monitoring, if you're looking for that, so you can stay on top of your accounts and get alerts right on your phone. In fact, over 50 million members have signed up for Credit Karma. I wanted to get a more in-depth look at my credit report, so I signed up, and I was actually really surprised by how easy it was to understand everything. They do an excellent job of breaking it down and telling you why your score is the way it is and what you need to work on. You can get your free credit report and scores now by visiting creditkarma.com slash value. That's creditkarma.com slash value. Okay, now back to the show. Thor and Loki looked down at Thor's goat-drawn chariot, and saw one of them, named teeth Nasher, was limping. Thor and Loki had stayed the night with some farmers, who took them in. And as Thor does from time to time... He treated the family to a hearty meal from his goats. He's able to slaughter and cook his goats. And then, if he gets all the bones and skin back together in the morning, he can resurrect them with his hammer. But now, other than the fact that they were killed, eaten, and resurrected, something was wrong with one of them. It was his back leg. Thor saw as he inspected. Then Loki said that he saw one of the kids sucking the marrow from the bones last night. And Thor's brow dropped. He picked up his hammer ready to dispense ancient world justice, which is basically just if you have the weapons, you can hit whatever you want. No one hurts Thor's goats, but Thor. When he saw the terror in the family's eyes, he relented, and didn't kill them in their home. The parents almost didn't need to offer their children as Thor's lifelong personal servants, but they did, and Thor accepted. That afternoon, he left his limping goat behind, and together the four, Thor, Loki, and now the two kids, ...began the walk to Jotunheim, the land of the giants. Also, as a quick editorial point, Thor traded his magic goat chariot and nightly meal, his means of transportation and sustenance, for two children. Not really a fair trade, I don't think. I mean, they're servants, but he also needs to take care of children now, and if I'm getting really far away from the story... I want to see one of those family movies from the 90s where Thor and Loki become the legal guardians of two rascally kids. Hijinks ensue, and Thor learns love and responsibility while the kids find a family in the unlikely pairing, all while putting hammers through the heads of giants in Jotunheim. For many days, they crossed the country, now much slower without magical goats, until they reached a sea. They crossed the sea and entered a dark forest. They were far into Jotunheim at this point, And it would be dangerous, even for the giganticidal Thor, to sleep out in the open in the world of the giants. They found a large house and, seeing as it was abandoned and they hadn't heard this podcast, where the first rule of finding an abandoned house in the forest is don't enter the abandoned house in the forest, they entered and went to sleep. It was vast and empty, which was good, because when the earthquake started, there wasn't much that could fall on them. Even Loki was without his normal smart aleck quips. This had caught them all completely unaware, and Thor braced himself in a doorway, yelling to the others to hide themselves deeper in the hall. Soon, the earthquake stopped, but they heard a deafening drone from outside. They didn't sleep at all, and in the morning, Thor and others exited the hall to see a giant sleeping in the forest. There's some room for interpretation when it comes to how big giants in Jotunheim are, but you should see this one as a fee-fi-fo-fum giant and multiple stories tall, and not just a larger-than-average humanoid like they've been up until this point. Looking at the giant, Thor narrowed his eyes. He came to eat goat meat and smash giant heads, and he was all out of goat meat. He put on his belt and felt the power growing within him. He lifted up his hammer, ran towards the sleeping giant. This was a great way to start the de- Hi, Thor heard and he noticed that the giant was awake and on his side and smiling at him. The mighty Thor panicked. What are you doing? The giant asked, and Thor, still flustered despite his job basically being killing giants, quickly hit his hammer in his cloak and said, uh, saying hi to you. What's your name, friend? My name's Skrymir, the giant said with a grin. You don't have to tell me your name. I know your name. You're Thor. Did you take my glove? I lost my glove. Oh, there it is. The giant reached over Thor and plucked the building Thor, Loki, and the kids had spent the night in from the ground. As it turned out, it wasn't a hall, but the giant's glove. The earthquake was the giant rolling over, and the deafening sound was his snoring. The giant sat up, nearly blocking out the rising sun, and he said he was a big fan of the mighty Thor. Mind if I travel with you guys? the ground shook with each step as the seemingly witless giant walked behind them what were they going to say when he asked to travel with them no the thing was 30 stories tall that night when they camped the giant said that since they're traveling friends now they should pool their resources he had a modest food bag but well, modest to him It was about the size of a house. Thor, Loki, and the kids had enough food to maybe fill a giant's thimble. They saw the obvious gain and agreed. The giant gave them the food bag and went to sleep. Not wanting to break into their own food, they put Thor in charge of prying open the giant's bag. But no matter how much you wrestled with the knots that were as big as he was, he couldn't get it open. He heard the snoring, again, and it was just as deafening this time. They had spent all day in the shadow of the giant and now they wouldn't get any sleep again tonight because of his snoring. Thor took his hammer. He would end this now. He had to cover his ears as he climbed atop the giant's face. He stood on his eyebrows. The giant was apparently a heavy sleeper and soon he would sleep like the dead, Thor thought, because he would be dead. Thor raised his hammer and struck the giant's forehead as hard as he could. Half a blow of that power had killed Thrym and the other giants at Thor's wedding. But Skrymir just woke up. He could see Thor on his forehead, and he smiled. Hey, buddy, he said. Hey, did a leaf just hit my forehead? It felt like something very light and inconsequential just hit me. Thor slowly slid his hammer away, just out of view, and said, Yes. And I ran up here to brush it off. Hey, look, all clean. That's exactly what I was doing. The giant helped Thor off of his forehead and thanked him for being such a good friend. The next two nights, though the Aesir and children lived in fear of the giant, Thor kept trying to kill him in his sleep both nights. And both times, he attributed it to falling twigs or acorns. Finally, they reached a spot where they would be parting ways. Our four protagonists, eyes deeply ringed because of the lack of sleep, said that they were so sad to see him go... He told them of a castle to the east where one giant lived that was even bigger than him. That giant's name was Utgarda loki which means Loki of Utgard, no relation to Loki of the Acer. The giant very much recommended that they do not go. Really, those giants are ill-tempered and just all-around jerks. Seriously, just turn back. With that, he thanked Thor and the others for their companionship on the road, and they watched him for a long long time as he walked to the mountains in the north. Now, I don't know why, after a pretty rough experience over the past few days, they decided to go to the castle. I don't even know why they're traveling to Jotunheim anyway. Thor does this from time to time when his hammer hand gets itchy and he has to go smash some giants. Maybe he was too proud to go back, but we don't know. Regardless, the next day they approached a stronghold. To give you some idea of how large it was... They couldn't take it all in when they looked at it straight on. They had to crane their necks back as far as they could go to see the top of it. They walked to the front gate and pounded on it, as you should definitely do if you're trying to invite yourself into a home of hostile giants. And they were ignored. Then they found that, hey, no need to be invited in. They could slip right through the bars. Yeah, the giants are so big that they don't consider a small, man-sized fighter to be any threat or they'd have a tighter defense. In what was surely a good idea, Thor, Loki, and two children entered the giant stronghold. Inside, they found tables and tables and tables of giants eating. They were, unsurprisingly, quite large. Thor, not wanting to slink around in the shadows, stood up proudly, and the four approached the giant in the center of the room. This was the leader, Utgarda Loki. Ten minutes later, he still didn't see them. They were yelling, stomping their feet, and hitting him, but he just didn't notice them. Finally, he thought he heard a mouse and saw the famed giant killer on the ground, and laughed at just how small Thor was. He wiped his mouth after the meal and stood up. The four saw just how tall this giant was, way taller than Skrymir, and Ugardaloki said that if they wanted to stay here, They would need to be better than the giants at something. Anything. Despite the fact that it's not really established that they wanted to stay in the giant's stronghold, Loki stepped forward in an uncharacteristically brave move. He said that he could eat more and faster than any giant. I can imagine Thor looking at his sometimes friend, sometimes punching bag, Loki, with his head cocked to the side. Really? Eating. They're giants. And that's what you're going to go with? Alright. Okay, so we're going to fast forward through them failing hard at three competitions. Loki put up a good showing at the eating contest. But the man he was paired against, named Logi, which it's not confusing enough to have two characters named Loki, let's throw in Logi. Well, Logi ate not just the meat, but the bones and most of the platter. Next up was one of the kids, the boy, whose name was Tholfi, challenging another giant to a race. That went about as well as you'd think it would go. The third and final competition was a drinking contest, and it was simple. Thor just had to drain Utgardaloki's drinking horn in one try. You know what? Utgardaloki would even give him two tries. But no one's such a small-time drinker that he can't drain the horn with three tries. Out of all the competitions, this one is the least ridiculous. Thor, in addition to his other talents, is no small-time drinker. With a smug smile on his face, he lifted the drinking horn and drank and drank, until his head was swimming from both the copious amounts of alcohol and lack of oxygen. With the drink running down his beard and onto his shirt, he pulled the horn from his mouth and gasped for air. Then he looked inside the drinking horn. It had dropped maybe a half an inch. Thor narrowed his eyes. Failure wasn't an option, no he wouldn't be shamed in front of a bunch of giants. He raised the horn to his mouth again. And a few minutes later, he was once again gasping for air. And the liquid in the drinking horn had only lowered a quarter of an inch this time. utgard chuckled. All right, all right, don't hurt yourself. You can't do it, and that's fine. It's okay that you can't handle such a small amount of alcohol. Thor wouldn't hear it, though. And shamefully took that third drink. It lowered a little bit more this time but he handed the mostly full horn back in disgrace. Maybe it was the way too much alcohol you had talking, but Thor then demanded another challenge. He could do it. He knew he could. utgard said, here among the giants, they have a custom for little boys, like toddlers. They pick up my cat for fun. What? Thor said. Yeah, here he is, the giant leader said. They pick him up. That's it. Pick him up and put him down, and you will have met a challenge. Thor looked at it, even for a giant cat, it didn't look particularly hard. He smiled at his friends, wedged one hand under the extremely disinterested cat, and pushed, and it didn't budge. Nearly 45 minutes later, Thor strained, as he was able to get one paw of perhaps the most patient cat ever off the ground. He then collapsed into a heap of sweaty rage, The giants erupted into laughter, and Thor jumped to his feet. This wasn't over. He yelled that he wanted to wrestle. He was really angry now. Utgardaluki smiled. Yeah, no. No one here is going to wrestle you, buddy. You're so small. It would be shameful. Wait, no. If you really want to wrestle, I know someone who could wrestle you. Five minutes later, the giant's nurse from when he was a baby, named Ellie, hobbled in he told Thor that here was a giant that Thor could wrestle. Who knows, he might actually win. I can picture Thor sneering, but accepting the challenge, and the little old lady tossing her cane aside, and cracking her knuckles. Three minutes later, her knee was on the center of Thor's back, and his arm was twisted behind him. He tapped out. Thor didn't say another word, but Utgarda loki said that even though they were brutally shamed in everything they did, They will be allowed to stay this one night. He showed them to some benches they could sleep on. The next morning, they got their things together, and the giant leader showed them out of the stronghold. Thor, having been seriously dishonored, was probably coming to grips with everything he thought he was, coming crashing down around him. Once they were well outside the stronghold, in the forest, the giant asked Thor if he had ever met anyone stronger than Utgard-Loki. Thor said, basically, Is there any reason to keep rubbing this in my face? My extreme dishonor. No, I haven't met anyone stronger than you. Now just let us go so I can seriously reconsider everything about my life. They turned to leave, but they were stopped moments later. The giant was biting his lip in anxiety. He had something to tell them. First, he said he told them not to come here, and Thor almost brought destruction on them all. And yes, he told them. He was Skrymir, the giant they had met on the road. He couldn't have Thor smashing heads like he did at Thrym's wedding. They had to find a way to trick him into leaving, so they may have used a tiny bit of way too much shape magic to shame him. Thor narrowed his eyes. Explain, he said. Ugardaloki slash said, Okay, so don't be mad, but everything from the last few days has basically been a lie. Those nights in the forest, when you hit me in the head with your hammer while I slept, and... Yeah, I knew about that. I briefly switched places with a mountain, and your hammer made three valleys. He continued and explained that then, in the contests... Loki wasn't facing some random giant in the eating contest. They used shape-shifting magic, and he was actually going against the personification of fire. And, Loki, the name of the supposed giant, means fire. The boy wasn't racing a giant... But the concept of thought, and no one can move faster than thought. Thor wasn't drinking out of a normal horn. But the other side of it was magically connected to the ocean. How he didn't know he was drinking seawater or great grandfather's blood, I'm not sure. But he actually drained portions of the sea a surprisingly large amount. And that's apparently why we have tides now. The cat, of course, was no ordinary house cat. Not only because of his shockingly calm disposition, the Seriously, what cat will let you basically wrestle it for an hour without pulling out its claws? But because it was the Midgard Serpent, actually one of Loki's kids. It's the giant sea monster that lives in the ocean surrounding the world. Thor actually did a very good job. And if someone would have looked outside, when he was holding up that one paw, then they would have seen a behemoth serpent in the sky. And finally, Thor can sleep a little better, knowing that the knee planted on his back last night, wasn't from Utgardaloki's lokis old nurse, but that Thor had fought, and almost beaten, old age itself. And that's what her name means, Ellie, old age. Skrimir looked down at Thor, who was breathing heavily. His teeth clenched and hammer out. He had been shamed in front of the giants, and now he knew his power. Okay, you're mad, I see that. To be fair, I did warn you. You know what? it would probably be better if we just never saw each other again. I enjoy having my head on my shoulders, and if you come back, we'll just use more trickery and illusions. It's better for both of us if you just leave. Thor gripped his hammer tighter and began walking towards Skrimir. Okay, Skrimir said, I can see you're not leaving. Let me just reiterate that we would use trickery and illusion. For example, I'm not even here. And with that, the giant disappeared. Thor was confused and looked back at Loki and the kids, and they were just as confused as he was. Thor let out a frustrated yell, and took off in a sprint through the forest, back toward the stronghold. He was going to mess them up worse than even the most tasteful of giant weddings. Loki and the children were only a few minutes behind him, but they saw Thor standing on the path just outside the forest. When they jogged up to meet him, they saw why he stopped. In place of the stronghold was nothing where they had to strain their necks all the way upward to see the roof. It was now just a peaceful plain. The giants had made good on their promise to use magic and trickery if Thor ever returned. Wordlessly, Thor turned and walked past Loki and the children. From not getting any sleep to drinking seawater, picking up a house cat and fighting an old lady, he had had enough of Jotunheim for one trip. He was going back home to Asgard. Meanwhile, in the void, somewhere around the entrance to Jotunheim, Odin, the Allfather, was walking along the roots of the world tree, Yggdrasil. He was far away, between the worlds, in the void, the Ginnungagap. The tree had grown in the ash and water, and now he was in a place far, far from both Asgard and Midgard. He was nowhere, and exactly where he wanted to be. I knew you would come, Odin heard and he quickly guessed where the voice was coming from. The hole behind one of Yggdrasil's thick roots was a chasm sloping down into the darkness. Odin took the hood from his head and descended beneath the roots. Odin took a deep breath and smelled the rich, fertile earth all around him. It was moments before he heard and saw the crackling torch. Down there, seated on a root, was a wild-looking man I know why you've come, the being said. He took a drinking horn and scooped water from the basin in front of him. What will it cost? Odin asked. I imagine Mimir, the man, smiling. Odin knew that such power couldn't come without a sacrifice. Mimir reached behind him and pulled out a small iron knife. He held it out for the Allfather. Your right eye, he said. As the metal touched Odin's hand, We don't know if Odin deliberated, taking an impossibly long time in deciding if this was a price he could pay, or if knowing the power and sight he would be given, gave the sacrifice without a moment's hesitation. We do know that, eventually, he dug out his own eye with the knife, and when he was finished, he placed the bloody payment in the hands of Mimir, and took the drinking horn from his other hand. From that day forward, Odin would be missing an eye, he inspected it and could see that Mimir was waiting for him to take a drink. He raised the horn to his mouth, paused only for a second, and took a gulp. In an instant, images began flooding into his mind. There were things that he never saw, yet knew. He saw eons of nothingness, darkness, and the void. He saw Muspelheim and Niflheim spilling out into the void and colliding, sparking creation. He saw an amalgamation of things that hadn't yet happened and things that had. He saw an arrow flying towards his son. He saw his wife weeping. He saw a monstrous, bound wolf tearing off the hand of Tyre. He saw Thor in a dress. He saw an imprisoned Loki writhing in pain, poison dripping on his face. He saw restraints that had been snapped. He saw three years of straight winter. Then he felt a deep, primal terror. He saw Yggdrasil the ash tree that connected the nine worlds, trembling. He saw the Bifrost Bridge, breaking as the sun turned black, and Midgard, the world of men, burning. He saw Loki at the head of an army, and Fenrir, Loki's son, the one they tried to bind, coming for him. He saw Thor, grievously wounded, and fighting the Midgard serpent as fire licked the sky all around them. He saw blood stream from his sons. He saw the wolf coming. He saw its jaws. And then, only darkness. He saw one final vision. The bodies of everyone. Himself, Thor, Loki, Heimdall, Freyr, countless humans, giants, and beasts. They were bloody, torn, and mangled, strewn upon the burnt husks of the world. He saw the end of everything. He blinked and he was back in Mimir's dank hole beneath the world tree, which was still flourishing. The winter hadn't come. The fires hadn't come. None of it had happened. Yet. Mimir took the horn and didn't say another word. Odin put the cloak over his head and felt his way out of the darkness. Now, half blind into the morning mist at the base of the world tree, he needed to return to Asgard. He needed to warn everyone. They must make a plan. This twilight of the gods must never come to pass. The end of the world, or worlds, is coming. It's called Ragnarok. And according to Odin's visions it will mean the death of nearly everyone we've come to know and love in Norse mythology. Loki's hijinks will finally go too far when he leads to the death of Baldr, one of Odin's sons, and that will lead us down a dark and violent road. Real quickly, I don't know what parallels can be drawn to Game of Thrones, but the world destroying itself after a seemingly endless winter, and the ice and fire mixing with Thor fighting a serpent that's kind of reminiscent of a dragon, well... I can't speak to George R.R. R. Martin's inspirations... ...but on this podcast at least... ...the Fimblewinter is coming. And just FYI... ...Fimblewinter is the name of the three year long winter... ...that precedes Ragnarok. Also, the story of Thor and Loki... ...is another one that comes to us from a Christianized Scandinavia. So, keep that in mind. It's unclear what exactly was... ...ancient belief... ...and what exactly was added in to make Thor look ridiculous. Because Christianity was the religion of the land in the old Odinic religions were outlawed. Finally, it's interesting to look at Odin, and his giving up an eye for knowledge. It's understandable why Odin is the god of kings, and learned people, and poets, because of what he gives up for knowledge. Anyway, that's where we're going to leave Norse mythology for now. Ragnarok, the twilight of the gods, is just a little ways off. I think we'll do a proper telling of Baldur as part of an episode along with the binding and torture of Loki. There are also a few more fun Thor stories too. So, Ragnarok's still a little ways off, but it'll be fun, horrible carnage when we get there. Next week are some stories of the turtle, a trickster from West Africa. And you'll see why it's probably a good idea to not finance real estate ventures for a turtle. I want to say thanks to Hoops tigercat Tiger Cat 24, The Epic Ronaldo, RJ Preston, Galaxy Princess, Sarah DeBellis, Liam S.E. 2182, Pepe at Patty, Mushi 206, Dingo Star 87 and Chalk Farm Kid for the reviews on iTunes. Seriously, thank you all so much. And if you want to help out the show and leave a review, I love the feedback. So you can go to iTunes.mythpodcast.com. And once again, thank you so much to everyone who's reviewed and who supported the show. I will get back to announcing member names, but I did like six weeks of that. So I wanted to do more iTunes reviews for a little bit. Also, if you're interested, there's a membership thing on the site for $5, less than a fairly muscular police officer merman Christmas ornament you can support the show and get extra episodes and source pack ebooks that won't make your guests really uncomfortable check out support.mythpodcast.com for more information on that the creature this time is the sandman you've probably heard of him before he's generally portrayed as a clownish little guy who throws magic sand in the eyes of children to help them go to sleep as a quick note I've heard from some people that they listen to this with their children before bed. If you're doing that right now, well, the Sandman is known as a sweet, kind helper dressed in silks. Whenever he sprinkles sand in the eyes of sleeping children, it helps them see pictures and stories that gently take them off to sleep and give them pleasant dreams. If you're listening with your kids before bed, let's call this the end of the episode and stop right there. Good night, kids. All right. I'm assuming there are no more children listening okay so if you've heard the saint nicholas episode the sandman is kind of like that while the current santa claus is a super nice and jovial elf the original stories are much darker and pretty harsh with him having frightening colleagues who would beat children with birch rods and threaten to throw them in icy rivers for being bad the sandman is just like that in the original germanic versions he wasn't a helper but a warning If children didn't go to bed early and without issue, the parents would tell them that the sandman would come. He wouldn't gently take them to sleep, but hold them down and rub real sand in their eyes. This isn't the magical stuff, but the abrasive mineral material you would use to sandblast something to take the paint off. It wouldn't just end with this horrifying and traumatic eye massage, but he would pull the children's eyes out and take them, leaving them blind, He would then fly to his home on the crescent moon to his own children, where he, the great father that he was, would distribute the eyeballs. As if this whole thing wasn't creepy enough, his children are hideous as well, and have the hooked beaks of owls, which they use to feast on the eyeballs of children who wouldn't go to bed on time. I have to say, parents in the Middle Ages did not mess around at all. Oh, it's Christmas? And you were good? well, here's an apple that's hopefully not moldy. Bad? Excuse me while I put on my beard and get my birch rod. Also, I'm not telling you another story before bed. And if you ask again, a guy's gonna come rub sand in your eyes until they're bloody, pluck them out, and feed them to his scary owl children, who live on the moon. That's it for this week. The theme song is by the band Broke for Free, and the Creature of the Week music is by Steve Gomes. Thanks again to Loot Crate, the monthly subscription box for geeks, gamers, and pop culture nerds. From bad guys doing good things for the wrong reason, to good guys with questionable tactics, August is the perfect time to explore the anti-hero. Walk the hero villain line with this 100% exclusive collection of items from DC Comics, Archer, Dark Horse, and Kill Bill. That includes two great collectibles, a wearable, and of course, the monthly T&Pin. Really, this one sounds awesome, so check it out. You only have until the 19th at 9pm Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, that's it. It's over. So go to lootcrate.com slash legends and enter code LEGENDS to save $3 on your new subscription today. Once again, that's it for this week, and I'll see you next time.